0: are rolling once again
1: mm-hmm. back at it again like always yeah the
0: prefer not to say podcast i'm
1: your host boutique paul and i'm your host <laughs> daddy master senpai i will never <laughs> get used to that <laughs> uh, that's kind of funny yeah <laughs> you
0: just like you almost have it mm-hmm. you want to say it but your brain just doesn't connect with it
1: yeah there's there's some sort of fucking like uh Delay. Every time I go to say it, my brain's like, Buffering? All right,
0: release. (laughs) Name, remembrance, latency. What am I supposed to be called? I'm a different persona. (laughs) It's like you have so many different Mm -hmm.
1: names. I mean, I gave you what, 13 of them? Mm -hmm. Everywhere I go, somebody calls me something different. (laughs) It's kind of how it is.
0: Uh, So this week's episode is titled Working Class Act. And for this episode, we are going to be. Diving into two of my favorite hip hop albums that were released almost 20 years ago that have to actually deal with themes of working class Mm
1: -hmm. stuff that's pretty relevant today. Yeah, all these they're
0: they're very interestingly enough, super relevant now, even though they were released way early in the 2000s, Mm -hmm. and those albums are. Labor Days by Aesop Rock and I Phantom by Mr. Lif. Uh, Labor Days was released in 2001 and I Phantom was 2002. Here we are 2020 and the themes on those albums are still very relevant, especially during the current situation with the coronavirus.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So I, I also thought it'd be fun just to do another music episode because, you know, music's always fun. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that, you know, it related so perfectly to the times, but even more so seems like a lot of our stuff lately is... Go coinciding perfectly with the situation <laughs> of everybody being at home it's and almost the state like of the it's, economy. And- <laughs>
1: it's almost like it's orchestrated. <laughs> <laughs> when we planned the season out, that's what it
0: happened. We're the
1: catalyst for this whole thing. <laughs> sorry, but not sorry.
0: <sighs> so, yeah. So, first off, we are going to talk about Labor Days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Aesop Rock is by far my favorite rapper. I don't. I don't like to throw the word favorite out too much these days, but he's just there's just something about it me that it just clicks with me.
1: Yeah, every time I use, every time I throw the word fa- "word favorite" around, I feel like it loses a little bit, of, a little bit of value. So, like, uh, I mean, like, anytime I'm talking about like in anything in particular, my favorite musician, my favorite uh, movie, my favorite video game, my favorite book, I always end up saying I got like 12 favorites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And you're just like,
0: huh? This doesn't really make sense because yeah. <laughs> it's like, are they really my favorite? It's like calling everybody your best friend. It's like, yeah. are they really your best friend if you nah. have 37 of them? He's definitely up there though. Yeah, you know, and this is actually his fourth release because he released a few, he released two records independently, and then he signed a small deal with another independent label for his. Well, it started with uh, his album Music for Earthworms, which was done in collaboration with primarily this producer he was friends with, Dub L, and that was more. They say it's more of just a compilation of stuff that they worked on, and there was like a couple other tracks that he had made with other people. And then um, he released this one EP called Appleseed, which got him a little bit more popularity in the underground space. And then he ended up signing with this record label, Mush Records, and released his debut debut full length on a label, Float which is actually a really good release. It's like super long. It's like 20 tracks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It was just, they even address, he even addresses it like, yeah, we just sort of threw up there a bunch of songs and turned it in.
1: <laughs> you don't really get that these days. Most, most, most albums are like around like the 12, 13, maybe even 14 mark.
0: Well, I you mean, know? they're even getting shorter because, you know, uh, albums got longer once CDs hit. Because mm-hmm. CDs, you could have up to 80 minutes. So everybody was like, we'll just fill up the entire CD. It's vinyl. It's different. You have like 30 to 35 minutes to play with unless you want to make it a double. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, after Float, he signed with Definitive Jux Records, which was a very critically acclaimed and slightly commercially successful indie label that appeared in the early 2000s that was started by LP, who is now one half of Run the Jewels. And this was one of the first full length albums released on the label and it was, you know, released to critical acclaim. And it's what I like about this album is it's one of those records. It's like timeless. I mean, not just in themes, but the overall sound is like, it doesn't date itself at all.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's kind of just in, in tune with the, with Aesop style. You know, he's, he's, he's not something that I would, uh I would categorize and say, he's, he's a rapper from this era or he's a rapper from there. He's, he's just a rapper. You know, everything that he's just he, he's just around. Yeah. Everything that he makes is just kind of like, I don't know, no matter where you come from, it's just it's just relevant, you know? Yeah. it's like you could throw in any one of the albums and it just sounds mm-hmm. cool because it wasn't made with any,
0: you know, they, he wasn't he wouldn't follow any trends. Mm-hmm. He would always change things up all the time. And, you know, honestly, now I i even say, you know, because you have that problem with a lot of artists where they're just like, oh, their early stuff was better. I'd argue that his, you know, he gets better with age. Mm-hmm. Each thing he puts out, like he actually just dropped a new record did, uh, recently, um, It wasn't like a full length there or anything. He uh, contributed music to this video game called Freedom Finger. Mm-hmm. And he has like four songs with vocals on it. And then he has like some extra like instrumental stuff. And then it's just like this EP thing. It includes the four songs, the instrumentals, those four songs and some bonus beats. I'm going to have to look into that. I haven't heard of that. It's actually really good. I don't know about the game. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked that far into it. <laughs> I was just like new ASAP rap music.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So getting into the album. Yeah, this album is is a concept album you know it's really just an album detailing the struggles of working class life you know
1: it's yeah it's it's definitely relatable you know it's 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 an idea that uh that is pretty easy to pick up you know you don't you don't have to read too deep into it unless you want to but i don't know i feel like it's uh it's definitely a sound that that uh everyone can appreciate you know Decidedly more t- more tuned towards the the working class, but even people outside of the working class can uh, can associate with it. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: there is such general universal themes, and that's the other thing I like. It's not it doesn't tie itself to the uh, the economics of the time period. It's mm-hmm. just it, it shows this glimpse into the life of people who are you know just trying to do their best, and it you know it's, it might not work out all the
1: time, but sometimes it might. It's more or less the uh, the emotional vibe uh, as opposed to the uh, financial. Yeah. And uh,
0: it's really um, full of great production. Honestly, I love all the beats on this album, Mm -hmm. especially because they don't follow really any trends. I mean, it's like there might be some things that are typical sounds you might find in more underground styles of that time. But it was very different from anything in the mainstream. I mean, it didn't really, you know, it it found success slightly in the mainstream. I mean, as much as an indie label
1: back then could, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, heavy rotation on MTV or anything like that. No, definitely not. It's not something that I, uh, I even heard about until I was in my late 20s. Yeah. Well, that's because I, I think, I think, wasn't I, didn't I introduce yep. you to him? Took yeah. Me, I took you, I took took you to, a to a concert. His, uh, his concert where he, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, after he released, um, it was The Impossible Kid. The impo- it was yeah, that tour. It was
0: also that concert was the day, like, once midnight hit, it was his 40th birthday.
1: Yeah. That was, that was nice too. Got to see everybody in the crowd, you know, running around with a, uh, basically a giant uh, Yeah, someone birthday had a card. giant birthday card yeah, that he like just just <laughs> someone some
0: guy was handling
1: it and like gave it to him mm-hmm. that was pretty neat
0: um, but yeah um this time we're not gonna break down like track by track on this one just because it's you could we could spend an hour talking about an individual song because mm-hmm. with the thing with asap Rock is his music isn't always quite accessible because his lyrics are very dense and verbose like he's he had, they actually did a study where he was deemed to have the biggest vocabulary in hip hop because they they took a they took like a study that's like okay the first I think the first thirty five thousand words of lyrics or something like that mm-hmm. of a bunch of artists and then he was so far off the scale he had to adjust it so that he would like fit on the page. <laughs> that's great. He it was even it was crazy because um, he also was ahead of the first 35,000 words of Shakespeare and the book Moby Dick. <laughs> wow. That was like, those dudes had vocab. Mm, that's impressive. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you did a whole catalog, they mm. might surpass them. But, you know, just the fact that you just use that many individual
1: words. The man doesn't write songs, he writes novels.
0: Yeah, they're like many novels. But yeah, the, this is this album is riddled with a lot of really good lyrics and production. The production often takes this kind of I don't know, it kind of kind of takes this orchestral slant. There's a lot of like violin and other orchestral sounds all throughout this album. I mean, there, there are some other sounds, but that that that's really where it dominates. And that's usually that's actually kind of in part by um because the album was kind of split in production. Like, I think Ace did a few of the tracks. One track was done by one of his friends named Omega One. And then the bulk of the production was handled by uh one of his longtime collaborators, Blockhead. And around then, that was his style. He just kind of like had these like orchestral sounds on a lot mm-hmm. of the beats.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't really uh, pick apart the the music myself to find all the individual samples. But even that's just because I'm not musically inclined. But from somebody who's who's not a a musician, not a uh, not a lyricist or or just anybody general. Yeah, just 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 a uh, creator in general. You know, there's you can still detect a a wide variety of uh, elements in the music. Yeah, there's a cinematic quality to the sound. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah, it kicks off. I mean, actually, the first thing you hear is kind of this guitar sample in the song Labor, mm-hmm. which is the first song. And it's like you just hear that come in. And then the first thing he says, is this is labor. And then he just kind of goes on this whole I don't know. It's hard to describe his lyrics because it's like there's it's almost like this puzzle box narrative that he's presenting. It's all these like all this imagery. You can pick apart individual pieces, but, you know, there's like there's a focus and end game to it.
1: But it's just kind of a free for all. It's it's almost like he took the approach of uh, attacking the subject from a thousand different angles. He's
0: like he's like a he's, he's like a scrapbook. Yep. It's, it's literally just scrapbooking. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: That's the best way to describe his lyrics. Let's see. Yeah, the first the first line in labor is who put the monkey wrench in well-oiled perfectionist emblem. Like that's you hear a line like that. You're like, wait, I'm sorry. What did he just say? That's like a (laughs) hundred dollar sentence right there. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's just all sorts of stuff like that scattered throughout this album. I mean, there's. I can't really find anything. I anyway, popping in this eye, one. Yeah. yeah. Not, not in this one, but you know, labor is a good intro. I think it's only like a couple minutes in that song. Yeah, definitely. yeah that, that, that was, it was a good intro. And then from there we have daylight. what is, yeah, we have daylight, which is one of his most well-known songs. If his not, if not his most well-known song,
1: I, I, Yeah, I'm just going to outright say that it's his most well-known song. At least anybody I know who knows Aesop Rock, uh, they can. You'll you'll know that song. They can (laughs) can pull daylight out of their ass and sing it word for word, you know? Yeah, it's definitely. It was just
0: so popular at the time, and it wasn't even expected to be that. I think if I remember the story correctly, that was originally supposed to be a 12-inch single on Rhyme Sayers Entertainment because LP didn't really care for the song. Mm -hmm. And then they decided to put it on towards the end and then the song came out and it just blew up you know it kind of has this it has this vibe of you know someone people who would just like, you know they really want to try to make the best of themselves but it's like you know they're just you know there's constant hurdles and they have to figure out how to get through those like Definitely. you know
1: it's, it's it's it almost spits a narrative of an upward struggle yeah, like perfectly. I mean, the
0: chorus is um, "All I ever wanted was to pick apart day, apart uh, part the day, and put the pieces back together my way." And I'm like the that sentence is is just so. It's almost like an episode of the Twilight Zone. It apply any time period you like. Observe
1: that line. It's like, wow, that's how people feel all the time. Yeah, it's like in 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 what world are are you going to meet someone who's not trying to you know? I don't want to say min max, min max their day or like shape their day the way they want it to be it's, it's 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 you can very easily empathize with the feeling behind it because no one really like approaches a day and just kind of lets it all happen everyone tries to shape it to to their to their best interest you know it's, it's i don't know it's, it's hard to say how i feel about this song but it's It hit me somewhere. Yeah. There's also also really interesting imagery
0: and there's a specific set of lines that I really love. And I think it's just the presentation and the kind of euphemism he surrounding it. Let's see if I can find it real quick. I have genius up looking at all the lyrics, by (laughs) the way. So (laughs) if I take a minute to pause and look something up, trust me, it's worth it. Yep. Oh yeah, there's a there's a lines goes, yeah, the settlers laugh. And then it follows with you won't be laughing when your covered wagon's crash, you won't be laughing when the buzzards drag your brother's flags to rags, you won't be laughing when your front lawn is spangled with epitaphs. Just that imagery right there is just like okay, what time period are you like operating in? Mm. <laughs> it's it's a, this is where rap becomes high art. When you hear lines like that and you're just like Well, this is like it's like you have like you're either drawing with crayons or you're painting with oil paints. And this is an example of like, oh, he just decided to paint with the oil. Definitely.
1: It's 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 powerful imagery is is what he uh, what he used in these lines here. That's that's really all I can say about
0: (laughs) it. You don't even have to dig deep to what it is. It's just like there's just so many things. It's like. you're almost in awe that a human can come up with words like this and put them together into phrases. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing I like about his stuff is just, it's, you know, he, he takes it seriously. And he also like, I saw a quote from recently that said his, and I'm paraphrasing the point isn't to know the most words. It's he's just trying to be the best writer he can. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and then then another line here, another line here, that's my favorite says, uh, his origami dream is beautiful, but man, those wings will never leave the ground without a feather, without a feather and a lottery ticket. Now settle down. That that literally sums up so many people's lives.
1: Yeah, it's 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 talking about, uh, you know, having having a far reaching dream, but not really the means to uh, approach it in a practical manner. At least that's what I took away from it. Yeah. You know, uh, outside of outside of having uh outside of winning the lottery to have the, the capital to jump into whatever it is you're trying to you're trying to aim for. Or,
0: or you have the, you know, capacity to work super hard and like mm-hmm. really hustle. You
1: it, know, you're just kind of stuck with this dream. Yeah, it's it's like saying uh, everyone's going to dream for something, but, you know, not everybody's going to make it. And it's kind of. Uh, heartfelt.
0: Yeah. Then from there we go to the song, Save Yourself.
1: Um,
0: Yeah, I don't know. This one is. A lot of these songs don't always have a direct point. It's this is another song that's just kind of like painting the picture of every day. And that's what a lot of most of these songs do is they just kind of paint the everyday struggles, triumphs, maybe, tribu- you know, you know maybe triumphs, mostly tribulations of, you know, just working class life. I mean, this one isn't something where there's anything specific that, you know, I can really pull from it that it really was an eye popper for me. But I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a more kind of as a bouncier tone to the beat. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part where he kind of like does a speed rap thing. I think it's like halfway in the third verse. And that's just that's just another one that I, it's it's just kind of fun. I know he's he's always, you know. His delivery on all these songs is really impressive, given the expansive vocabulary that he has.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely hard pressed to find anybody who who has as much to say and says it as well as he does when they write their music. Inconsistently, the fact common. that he's
0: been around, he's been putting out music since 1997, and he's st- he can still come up with something.
1: <laughs> I don't know what uh, what wellspring he tapped, but he just keeps pulling. But he he pulls almost perfection out of it regularly.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, you know, it's I think it's the thing. It's you know, you get there's a. Th- there's something that uh, one of my favorites, Count Bay's D, said when he was coming up. He said there, there's a lot of artists that only have a couple albums in them, mm-hmm. and that's why they disappear. They only have a couple records. Some people are fortunate enough to just stay in their own lane, and they have plenty to say. They have plenty of records they could do. They're going to do this till they die. And that's the thing I like about hip-hop nowadays is you're not pushed out
1: after 35. We got people in their 50s putting out amazing records. Definitely. it's It's immune to the ravages of time. You know, it's it's an art you can always stay in. It's not like your your body's going to degrade and prevent you from performing. It's not like your mind's going to go with it within reason, obviously. And it's going to stop you from writing these these writing these, these these perfected poems. You know, it's it's something that's just going to stand the test of time.
0: Yeah. I mean, and we're, and we're also realizing that the older we get old isn't what we perceived it to be when we were younger. You know, being not. in your forties or fifties isn't really that old. I mean, mm. once you hit your eighties and nineties, that's when you start to get old. But you know, you if you take care of yourself and keep your mind sharp and your body right, yo, know, it's you're not really ever old. It's like you know, stay 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 young in your mind, no matter how old your body gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people can keep their bodies as, as possible yeah, forever, or <laughs> like like the vampires in in the entertainment <laughs> industry.
1: You're only as old as you choose to be, like Paul Rudd. He just chose to not age. Yeah. <laughs> I think he hit like late 20s and was just like, nope, that's it. Uh, and then we have
0: Flash Flood. Flash Flood is one of my favorite songs just because this, the tone of the beat and then just the lyrics describing the struggles of people is just, again, it's just another song that's detailing the struggles of everybody. But there's there's certain lines in this one that are really amazing. Like there's one that I just found funny that I'm going to find real quick.
1: One second here, he's working the magic.
0: Yeah, um, sorry for this pause. What was a Oh, yeah, I said, um, I told this cat the earth was flat. He walked till his beard grew long enough to strangle himself for being stupid. <laughs> and I was like, that line is super relevant today, especially with the Surge of Flat Earthers. Yeah, but that's just a funny line in general. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> walk till your beard grows long enough to strangle yourself because you're dumb. <laughs> Oh my god,
1: that is such a great line. He he wrote a line that uh that was gonna be relevant, you know, x amount of years later, <laughs> and and it's and it's it's like a it's a social commentary on all on on those types of people, the people who believe stuff like that. Is you know you have what like ninety nine percent of the scientific community that's telling you one thing, and you choose to be like no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's a couple lines here. There's one that is um. I lay the law down upon its belly with my foot dug between the third and fourth disc, yelling break yourself. <laughs> and I saw an interpretation of it once and it made sense. It was like somebody, had I think it was might have been on here because there's actually a highlight on it. So I think it might have been described, but actually, I'll just read it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ace is comparing himself to a boss slash CEO who pushes his employees and works them like mad. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'd say that sums that line up. And then it's followed with a line that is still relevant also. Uh, it says, um, I finally actualized data commission, past penny tip jar donation arrangement, but a far fetched from uh, a far fetch from stability. And it's like, oh, you got a decent job. You're not you're not scrambling all the time, but it's still not quite enough.
1: Yep, you 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 climb the uh, the corporate ladder, but you're still not pleased. No, that, that, that line about laying the law down upon its belly, I took it uh, from a, for, a, for a for a more literal uh interpretation. That's how I saw it at I first saw it too. As like anti-authoritarian. That's that, how I saw that, it. That that's what
0: that was one of the uh things that I had thought too. Uh I just liked the way the line was delivered at first. And mm-hmm. I listened to it, I was like, this could mean so many different things, but just the presentation and the string of words was like the, it's a sentence that felt good mm-hmm. repeating it myself. But yeah, it's just you know. Once again, another song about the struggles of the working class. <laughs> that's pretty much, you know, honestly, any if anything else, it's just that's what most
1: of these songs are. Yeah, they're they're all super relatable. They they're all they're all relatable in a sense that no matter what time it is, what what era we're in, as long as there's like a difference in people, you can always look back at this uh, at this album and you know pull something from it.
0: Yeah. And even though I've been going each track by track, I'll probably just mention the names of some of them that I don't want to gloss over. So mm. that way we're not boring you too much. This will probably be a little bit of a longer episode because we're dealing with a little bit heavier material. But we got back to what we're getting to one of my favorite songs and no regrets. And this is a hip. It's almost a hip hop children's book in delivery. <laughs> and it is about a girl named Lucy. And it's, it's split into three verses, different ages. And the first line of the first verse is Lucy was seven and wore a head of blue barrettes city born into this world with no knowledge and no regrets. And this verse is about this young girl named Lucy, who's just drawing chalk on the street. she's a fairly good artist. She draws people. She sees just spends all her days doing that. You know, the kids, you
1: know, invite her to go play and she's like, no, I'm good. I'm busy. It's like, he, he paints this picture that you really have to like, you have to bring the lens over a little bit and uh, kind of, understand the innocence of youth and like the the shocking clarity in uh her going after what it, what it was she was trying to do you yeah, know and I how mean, she I was mean, willing she, to she was willing to set aside playing with the neighborhood kids or whatever was going on to do what she was aiming at doing and that was just creating this art on the on the sidewalk
0: Yeah and actually the specific line with the kids is hey little Lucy want to come jump double dutch Lucy would pause look grin and say i'm busy thank you much mm-hmm. Yeah she just you know and then at the end of it, she uh, puts the chalk down and walks away, and everyone's just like, oh, "You're you're giving up?" She says, "No, I'm finished." And then uh, has this kind of like you know, fun chorus.
1: I, I really, I, I appreciate the chorus a lot. It's, it, it, I appreciate <laughs> it's it fun, for its, its simplicity. Yeah,
0: It's a one, two, three. That's the speed of the seed. ABC, that's the speed of the need. You can dream a little dream or you can live a little dream. I'd rather live it because dream is always chase, but never get it. Yeah. It's kind of like this sing song style. And it's also got a really cool uh violin in the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like kind of jumping bouncy violin. Cause it's like, this is another one where it's like, you know, the main beat is like drums and like string plucks. But um, yeah, it's verse two. It's. Uh, yeah, now Lucy was 37 and introverted somewhat basement apartment in the same building she grew up in. So Lucy's older. You know, 30 years later, and it just shows she um, she's still doing the same thing. Hermit just drawing, mm-hmm. painting, doing whatever she can.
1: Stuck to what she liked. Stuck to what she loved.
0: Yeah, she she's got a, She got a boyfriend now. They're both hermits. So mm-hmm. they you know so we see each other a couple of days a week on yeah. purpose and they just the ideal he's, relationship. He's an artist too, so you know, they get together on Saturdays, check out each other's artwork, you know. Um, there's a part of the song where um it goes, you know, you know, someone actually wants to hang out with her, says uh, Lucy, want to join me for some lunch? Lucy would smile and said, I'm busy, thank you much. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that weirds people out. So rumors start spreading, and she just doesn't care. She's like, mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. It's definitely a message about, you know, sticking to what it is you're doing and not concerning yourselves with the opinions of others. You know, it's like you're not going to you're not going to fuss over the bleeding of inane sheep. You know, it's not something that you really need to worry about. Yeah. And she's doing something she actually loves. She's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. She's having
0: a fun time, you know? Which is, you know, it's so weird. Everybody's like, oh, you're weird. You don't want to hang with people. It's like, look, let her
1: leave her alone. She's it's, having fun. She's doing what she wants. It's almost like if you're happy, it doesn't really matter how other people perceive you. Right. <laughs> such a strange concept.
0: <laughs> then um, third verse, you know, Lucy was 87 upon her deathbed at the senior home where she had previously checked in. So she had reached the end of her life. Yeah, you know, she has apparently she has a TV in the room, according to the verse that she never turns on. She mm. just has her artwork on the wall. Her boyfriend, whose name is Rico, by the way. We forgot to mention that because that's mentioned in the second verse. Um, but he passed away some years back, so she doesn't, no one get, that, visitors. She doesn't get visitors. And then, um, mind you, she doesn't speak at all. And then she pulls a nurse aside and says, look, I've never had a dream in my life because a dream is what you want to do, but still haven't pursued. I knew what I wanted and did it till it was done. So I've been the dream that I've wanted to be since day one. And that is the heaviest line on this whole album, and it puts it in perspective. Like, whoa! Like she, she was, did it. She yeah. literally did what she wanted to do. Had control the whole time, and then you know, nurse leaves. She ends the verse. She blows kisses each one of her pictures, and then she dies. Morbid ending, but you know, is it really that bad? She.
1: She I mean, did what she wanted to do with her time. I don't really think it's all too morbid. He had to close the story out somehow. Wait, well, yeah, I mean, her dying is <laughs> morbid, but
0: I, I just like—I just like it was finished with that whole. She did what she wanted. She's happy her whole life. Yeah, her. She did what she wanted that's, her that's entire life, and a lot of people look to the song for the quality of the story too, because it literally mm. reads like a children's book. It even starts out the main character starts out as a little girl, and uh, yeah, from there we got. You know, one brick tugboat complex part three. I'm just naming songs now because we're not going to go over all of them. Coma, battery, boombox, <laughs> <laughs> Bent life. Bent life. <laughs> and there's also appear- there's also appearances like um, one brick uh, features rapper Elogic, mm-hmm. who um, and then bent life features uh rapper series walls and they, they both do a good job of helping with this narrative of explaining the struggles and like you know the euphemisms they use just the way they describe things painting this picture of the working class life
1: yeah they're definitely riding the same wavelength when they're writing these this music
0: yeah and it's and, and it and it and it really works because a lot of the a lot of these collaborations happen because it's like you know they built friendships with these people like it you know independent hip hop is more so you're hanging with the homies more than anything. And that, and that's why a lot of the collaborations were really worked back then. Cause it was like, yeah, we were just a, you know, I mean, I think when definitive jig started, L had a few of the artists just living in his apartment at the time. They were just staying there and they were just making music all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you get some of the most, the most honest down to earth music you get, you know, it's just people that know each other and like each other and they're just jamming, you know, you don't have this, uh, this desire to this this need for ridiculous commercial success driving them. It's more or less about them just creating art. Yeah, and it
0: was you know because LP is, it had you know took the money took money and just set up a studio in his apartment. You know he had just come out of a not a great deal with his former record label. I mean I, I, the deal was okay, but you know it was it was a part of his group company flow, and they just it didn't work out. He left there and then decided to start his own label. He's like, look. I want to, you know, create a place where artists, you know, really get theirs mm. and actually get the promotion they deserve. Because, you know, I mean, so when couple of folk came out, it was one of the cr- most critically acclaimed indie records at the time. But a year later, they dropped Telequality and most deaths first album. And that just literally overshadowed everything. And they skyrocketed into commercial stardom. So and then just the way they handle business in general. It was like, you know, they needed to leave the the, the relationship had soured at that point. Yeah, you know, he just had his friends there. I mean, there was a time uh, when Zach De La Rocha left Rage Against the Machine. He spent, he, spent a, he spent a month at Elle's house recording a bunch of music that still has yet to see the light of day. Because he was going to record a solo album. He just stayed out there. And that was like one of the first places he went. Broke up with them. He's like, hey, can I stay at your house? <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, can I, can I hang out here and make music and stuff? <laughs> yeah, we got the yes and the y'all, which... uh." One song like the intro has is just acapella, no beat and just dropping bars. That's literally like there's great storytelling, but there's just nonstop bars all over this record. And it's just amazing how someone can have the breath control. And the just control in general to say all these words in sequence perfectly.
1: Mm hmm. Sometimes I feel like he uh, he has a, his own personal quota when he's writing these songs, and he's like, I can't finish it or call it done until it has X amount of words in it. <laughs> he's like, mm, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Does
0: it have this?
1: <laughs> I almost feel bad for him sometimes because I'm like, obviously, this is like his style, and this is like how he wants to make music. But now he has that rep. He can't ever let, like release a song that's just like, even the Not stuff that's that more standard. dumbed
0: down, like The Impossible Kid is probably the most accessible album he has that most people can relate more to and understand more. But mm-hmm. even then, it's still super dense and the wordplay is ridiculous. Like, man, dude. But, you know, when he have been writing for, you know, I think he had been writing since he was a teenager. He's probably, you know, approaching almost 30 plus years writing or something like that. So, <laughs> you know, now it's now they just do it effortlessly. It's like it gets better because they 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 get into their own pocket that they can stay in and they just mm-hmm. expand on that. And then from there, we go to one of the other highlights in the album. Nine to five Anthem. This is the Anthem for right now. Like mm-hmm. this, this song should be blasted everywhere. There is somebody who is in the working class because <laughs> it is just <laughs> like the first verse. It's like it's a very wordy first couple lines, but it just uh, it just sets the stage up perfectly. It's zoom into the fuming of an aggravated breed via the study of post adolescent agitated seeds. It's like, hey, look, angry workers. That's literally all this explains. Hey, people who have it hard and are angry, let's take a look in their lives real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then there's other fun lines. Um, let's see. Huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the second it's the year of the silkworm. Everything I built burned yesterday. it's like man i like i like that you've missed with silkworm because that's what it's almost like that's what people are you know they're trying to squeeze the finest out of people
1: Mm -hmm.
0: even though it's like you know silkworm it's still a bug but it produces silk it's almost like humans are just people but look at the things they can
1: create definitely it's 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 i I look at it as a People trying to take advantage of other people and squeeze them for every every penny that they're worth. That's what that's what I picked up out of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is that is pretty much what it is, you know, and then the best hook ever. And the hook goes and I think I I think I remember reading in the first episode. It's a we, the American working population, hate the fact that eight hours a day is wasted on chasing the dream of someone that isn't us. And we may not hit our jobs But we hate jobs in general that don't have to do with fighting our own causes. We the American working population hate the nine to five day in, day out. But we'd rather be supporting ourselves by being paid to perfect the past times that we have harbored based solely on the fact that it makes us smile if it sounds dope. And you can tell that's a line that's coming from like that last couple lines, like almost like a rapper's perspective. Mm -hmm. But it's just overall, it's like, you know, everybody it's it's like what we try to promote on the pod.
1: Like work for yourselves and do the things you love. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't just like instantly get out from under the thumb, but the your end goal should definitely be pursuing something that makes you happy, something that sounds dope to you. Something that's yeah. gonna the, something that makes you wanna wake up in the morning and jump right into it. That, that's why
0: it's you know, that's the unfortunate thing about you know, the unfortunate part about the stam thing during the coronavirus is, you know, people are scared. People might have to deal with things they don't want to deal with because they're stuck by themselves or just, you know, in their own space. But you know the people. You know this is an opportunity to kind of look at things in a perspective of okay, how do I control my environment when I'm forced to just kind of be with myself? <laughs> it's like it's forcing you in that control. I mean, if you're unessential, that is. I mean, the yeah. essential workers you're gonna, you're kind of. I mean, some essential workers are working overtime now, so they're they're feeling this even more.
1: Honestly, they're they're feeling the the first half of it even more so. But yeah, you're right. This definitely is an opportunity for people. And just because you're cooped up inside of your house on the lockdown order, doesn't mean that you're like outside of reach of, uh, like getting out there. I mean, we also have have the internet. We're
0: so isolated, but so connected to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. And there's also a fun, um, fun outro, uh, fumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen pour myself a cup of ambition yawn and stretch and my life is a mess
1: and if i had never make it home today god bless i have never never uh never (laughs) empathized with the line that he spit ever before more than that i never make it home
0: today god bless
1: (laughs) it's like for it's like years Greg, that has Greg, been like my Greg's whole life. lifestyle <laughs> i
0: don't make it oh well
1: <laughs> like every day is just wake up and i'm like well kind of just whatever i guess i'm gonna tackle the day and fuck <laughs> it if something bad happens i don't care that's oh. that's that's. i don't know that, obviously that resonated with me because of my past but god oh damn that's to show that he's definitely like been where people are right now
0: yeah and then, uh, yeah, and then we end up with the song "Shuffle" or "Shovel," and it's, you know, another one with just a bunch of really cool wordplay. Nice beat to end it off, and yeah, that's the album. It's definitely, it's impressive because he was younger than us when he made this album. Mm-hmm. I think he was like 24, or at least he was 24 when this album came out. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know we're a little bit older than that, but it's you know it's capturing like especially someone the point of view of someone in their twenties, and it's almost like a pivotal like generation like that's in in your twenties is this one where you're kind of in this middle space. The, you don't feel quite like an adult yet, but you know you're not too old. Yeah, you're in st- any sense,
1: you're still figuring out, and you. I, I I like to think of it as when you're in your twenties, you're you're in the area where you should be uh, discovering what wow. it is you plan to do and then building the framework for it you know you don't have to be crazy successful in your 20s you don't have to be all the way there that's 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 how I feel about it
0: yeah but you know it's it's kind of funny because uh, this album came out and it got him out of the light it got him out of the nine to five cycle Mm -hmm. because at this time um, because he was I think he was working at an art gallery or something like that Mm -hmm. because he was he was an art major in college so he has an art degree Um, on the side note he's an educated rapper too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah he just did the thing you know writing raps in his off time going to school yeah he was working at an um, art gallery and LP was like alright time to go on tour and he was like but I gotta work he said this is your work now this is what you do <laughs> we gotta go on tour <laughs> quit the job we gotta
1: <laughs> Sometimes go when make that, money this when way opportunities <laughs> in front of you you just gotta take it you know you can't let you know the the fear of not paying bills hold you back you know I mean, at the end of the day, all the stuff that you have is just it's just materialistic. You know, if you're pursuing your dreams, does it really matter?
0: Well, he also was probably getting paid more. I mean, <laughs>
1: at this point, it was besides the, <laughs> the point, but still. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, and that, and that was like the I'm pretty sure that was the last time he ever held a job from then on. It's just been music's been his life. And, you know, they never he never anticipated doing it for this long. Most of them don't in the independent world. They're just like, yeah, I never thought that would go this far. And then you got people who are getting more and more known and more integrated in pop culture, but yeah, it's just um, and the, and this was one of the very first um full lengths from Definitive Jux Records, and literally the first set, like I want to say, the first five to eight albums were all critically acclaimed, and just like making all the magazine top lists, and just there, this was like they were a force to be reckoned with. Like this was just. You know they were coming out with just records like you, you couldn't imagine they would have just string. It's like they didn't have like top of the charts, but it was like you know success after success after success and just like a sound that like nobody was expecting or ready for. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like this, you know, I think there was a long so, like I don't know if it was like first or second wave of independent. I, th- I think this is more so calling the second because it was just like a whole, you know, it was such an interesting space because it was just a lot of stuff, you know, coming from the 90s, especially with the commercial hip hop, it was like. When everybody could record at home, because this was, you know, this is the time it's like, you know, digital hard disk retorters came out the earliest incarnations of like home computer recording setups. It was like all bets were off. Everybody could work for whatever they wanted. They work from home. They didn't have to listen to anybody. It was like, you know, your friend or you own the label. You can make whatever you wanted. And it was like, all right, let's put it out. Let's try it. And then it just ends up working. They
1: found the formula and they kept brewing and it's it up. Just in
0: the community, too, it's like everybody was so connected, like all these indie labels would constantly work with each other and tour and, you know, everybody would appear on each other's songs and do collaborations. And, you know, I think that's something that's kind of, you know, the Internet made it even better, but almost destroyed it because it's like, you know, you could collaborate with everybody, but no one wants to. Either yeah. no one wants to that you want to or everyone hits you in your DMs collab, bro.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just, you know, it's something that's lost on, on uh, people today. Yeah, it's almost like we need to throw back to that stat, that culture. Just 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 for that alone, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to do with the podcast, trying to, you know, build these little communities. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just can't wait till it flourishes. But yeah. So that's that's all you have to say about Labor Days. definitely recommend it. It's, you know, 19 years old this year, but still super relevant. <laughs> it's just mind blowing. 19 years later, especially now, just, you know, th- th- you know, listen to it. It might be the album that inspires you to just like go out there.
1: Honestly, and even if it's not your like style of music, just read through the lyrics. You'll find something. Then just sing it to the tune of whatever genre. I one of it
0: on one of a. He released an EP once where he included like all the lyrics from his from previous records, and it's mm-hmm. like you just read it. It's like reading a book. Honestly, <laughs> well, you know, talking all that talking aside, I need to drink some water. So <laughs> you guys know what to do. And we're back from the water break back at it again mm-hmm.
1: refreshed rehydrated
0: With episode entitled working class acts and now we are going to dig into another one of my favorite albums I Phantom by Mr. Lith and this is another album released on LP's definitive jux records which was another album that proved that they were a force to be reckoned with because that again was critically hailed upon release and made a bunch of top lists at the end of the year hit after hit after hit when you got it you got it and this one uh, is also a concept record a little bit of a deeper concept record cuz like Labor Day is more of a general album in regards to working class life this one is actually a planned out story
1: yeah it's it's definitely a uh, a a thought out narrative that that bleeds through the whole album it's 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 almost like reading a book you know yeah, you like, like reading like a book or watching a, a movie you know in and
0: and uh, there's an interview he did for the 15th anniversary of it where he said he didn't he didn't start the album until he came up with the <laughs> the track list came up with a track first and like, try to put the story together and then started to make it, Yeah, you know, And th- and he's an, um, he's actually outers from, uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Interesting. That's yeah. That, that's where he's based. And that's where a lot of the people he worked with is, you know, he put out some singles and then, uh, he met LP in the late nineties and they started working together, I think in like 1999. And, uh, I think, um, he had, uh, an EP on there. That was one of the, uh, one of the labels first releases, like He was one of the first release, artists to release their period. Actually, I think he was the first artist. No, I don't know. Maybe. Was it the very first? I, I know he had the first full project because he had a couple EPs before I Phantom. But yeah, it's uh, a very talented rapper. His style is a little bit different. It's very. He's got that kind of like monotone style. Where it's like, you know, his voice is just kind of steady and even the whole time. And then the production on the album is uh, actually largely produced. I think half of it's produced by LP. Um, one, I think one track is by a uh, Boston resident hip hop artist, Edon. And then there's, I think DJ facts one who is a DJ that he collaborated with in a group and work with solo. I think he's got one. And I think rapper, rapper producer insight has a couple of product productions on there as well as features on there too and uh yeah it uh yeah this one we're not really gonna go into lyrics for this one because we can just talk about the narrative of it because <laughs> there's actually an entire key for the story for this album like it's a it's very well planned out
1: yeah and if the key is not enough you can also look up that uh that interview where he yeah, there's explains an interview, everything just step
0: in i phantom 15th anniversary and it'll just pop up or just i phantom interview and mm-hmm. it comes up But yeah no we started with the started with the track bad card and it starts out with these kind of like weird sounds in reverse and they're snoring so we get the sense that like there's a character who's asleep and then it starts off with you know
1: from my understanding it was meant to be a continuation of the project he had prior it was yeah which
0: i was that was another thing i was going to mention he had a before he dropped this album early in the year earlier that year in 2002 he dropped this ep emergency rations And it was kind of another one. No, it was another concept record. But the last song specifically, I Phantom, was kind of like touched on the general theme of all of it. I don't know if you listen to any of it at all. Not yet. Oh, no. Yeah, I Phantom. it's literally kind of like it's almost like a teaser for what's to come. Mm -hmm. I mean, that one's a good that one's a good project, too. But, yeah, it's kind of like a taste of what's to come. And then it's kind of because it kind of sets up this idea of somebody who's, you know, has no way out. You know, they're kind of down on their luck. No way out. Whoops. <laughs> Dropping my stuff here. So we get to bad card and, you know, we hear the snoring, So we don't know what's really going on. But with that, but then, you know, it starts off with Mr. Lift. He's playing this guy. He's going to his friend. and He's like, hey, look, I know I haven't seen you in a while, but I need a gun.
1: <laughs> I don't know how you feel his, about that. <laughs> his friend responds with the appropriate amount of caution. He's like, man, I haven't seen you in a while. This is awful fast. Like, what do you need a gun for? <laughs> Tries to direct him to his friend. And he and then he, he responds with the immediacy. He's like, no, I need a gun like right well, now. Oh, no,
0: can we talk about that? Because I think it was a, he's like, oh, my man, Carlos. He's like, the midget? He's like, yeah. He's like, no, nah, I'm not trying to mess with him. And I was like, what a time to be where you could call little people midgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, oh, the midget. <laughs> so, yeah. So he lends him his gun. And then we get into the next tract, a glimpse of the struggle. And he takes that gun and uses it. Tries to rob a store, mm-hmm.
1: does not go the way that he planned.
0: Yeah, it does not go. He actually ends up getting shot himself,
1: <laughs> and it's like, man, that's really unfortunate. I mean, it's likely to happen. It's like when you're when you're at you know when you're on your heels, that's not something you should turn to. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> don't rob, don't uh, rob places. Don't sorry, you're getting <laughs> shot. <Like. laughs> yeah.
0: Also, I like the I love the beat on this. Because he's like kind of like like really they're not really complex drums, but this really nice like drum beat. I think it even you know, there's not even a there's not even a downbeat with the kick. It's like a kick snare and like an open hi-hat. And then there's like this kind of like little funky bass line going. And there's is really bizarre spaced out sounds. And just it's just helping drive the story. And he's just describing what's going on with trying to rob the store. And then he gets shot and then. He's like, oh, well, I guess it's the end of my life. And it's, you know, the,
1: the last part of the song is just his last thoughts. He's, he's talking about how like life had him backed into a corner and he, he played the game that he was forced to and he lost.
0: Yeah. He's like, this is how it was set up. Tried it. Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Return of the B-Boy, which is kind of like a sci-fi song because hip hop music decides that. It's not his time. So it's this song, the first half of the song, because this song's like a seven minute song. It's a fairly Mm -hmm. long song. The first one is literally just, you know, it's this whole thing of he's being resurrected. Hip hop wasn't ready for him to be gone. So they brought him back. And it's this kind of like, it's kind of this really eerie beat with kind of some jazzy sounds and it's kind of smooth and laid back. And then it comes in this pounding fast break beat. And you're like, what's going on? And it's he's you know it's it's like he's resurrected and it's just kind of like this whole thing where it's kind of like in he's kind of like in battle mode rapping wise he's like almost got to like battle himself and like this narrative of other hip hop artists to prove his worth so he's just like you know doing a thing cuz like you know people weren't really rapping that fast back in the day like they used to in the old school style but this one is he's just kind of like dropping a bunch of hip hop references
1: it, it definitely creates a uh, almost messianic narrative where um you know, the, the return from the dead, which is in like every, every mythos and And the resurrection, (laughs) the the resurrection and the, uh, that's two (laughs) (laughs) the resurrection and and the, the idea that, um, that he was meant for something more than, you know, getting shot, robbing a liquor store. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting approach.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, definitely, it's definitely an impressive song just from a technical standpoint of him rapping. Because it's like, it's a faster beat, but it's not the one where it's like, you kind of have to do a double time flow like like we see nowadays. It's literally, he has to like, keep on pace with the song. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's mostly just a drum break with some like, James Brown stabs, like James Brown vocal stabs, like, uh, just like, you <laughs> know, those weird James Brown sounds he'd make, just like, stab a couple of those in there. I think there's like a bass line or something like that. And then the next song, we hear an alarm and someone's waking up. So the reason I kind of zero in on this is because it kind of alludes to the snoring at the beginning of the record. Like, oh, was this entire thing a dream?
1: Yeah, you're definitely left questioning if as far as the narrative's continuity goes, whether or not it actually occurred. You know, it's not it's not blatantly obvious. And I, I feel like that was done intentionally to kind of leave it up to the uh, listener. Yeah. And then. Yeah. uh Basically form your own opinions and draw from it what you yeah,
0: want. So it's it definitely has that kind of thing where you can, it's open for interpretation. And then he's, uh, <laughs> he, you could tell he doesn't want to be up. And then we get a whip sound. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> anybody wakes up to an alarm
1: clock, you know they don't want to be up.
0: <laughs> right. But the funny thing is, like, you hear the whip sound and then it's like oh <laughs> <laughs> i think the opening lines are um rise and shine what another day to toss away What does my clock display it says eight should i'm wait for, late for work again so then i dip with my pad and my pen and i'm like oh here we go he's about to go to work
1: mm-hmm. and then it's just a
0: whole thing where he's just explaining his workplace and just how much it sucks and i don't know i think that's that's a very relevant because you know who likes going to work every day no,
1: not with not with all the workplace drama that's everywhere because people apparently can't mind their own business and stay up out of each other's asses. It's weird. And they kind of yeah. stop fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another problem in the workplace. And then uh, we hit lunchtime. We get this kind of
0: like sound effects that make it seem like he's daydreaming. And mm-hmm. then it just has this whole verse about how he like did something about his boss. <laughs> and uh, I think that the opening lines of, of that one is... um dead boss somebody call red cross i guess he got caught up in a mental holocaust and i was <laughs> like oh no he like killed his boss in his dream <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: i mean who hasn't had that situation where they've been in a uh a not healthy work environment and they've had like uh, you didn't necessarily have to dream about it but you've had that thought you know yeah. that that light fantasy where you're like hmm i wonder if yeah and then the and then the you know
0: and then there's a uh,
1: as you go on to say maybe I'm actually reaching hold on before that forward.
0: it was um, actually before that no it was because uh, before that he because um, after the first verse someone was like hey the boss wants to talk to you and then the boss is like kind of like talking to him and it's like mm-hmm. you don't hear too much but he's just like that's when he's daydreaming like oh I just want to kill this dude mm, yep <laughs> and then it ends with uh, the daydream ends with lunchtime like mm-hmm. you hear that <laughs> you just hear that just come out of nowhere and that was actually because um, the first were actually the production on is something we can highlight, because in the interview, he said he originally produced the beat for that himself. Mm-hmm. And then he sent the acapella to eat because because there was like two different halves of two different beats he used, because that was kind of like half and half. He sends it to Edon and he turns it into three parts. So he has that kind of like you know, bump and drum break with this kind of like guitar sound cuz you know, Edan would typically sim- sample a lot of like older 60s records, so he probably got like breaks off of that. Mm-hmm. And then the second uh d- the dreamscape is just a beatbox that has effects on it. <laughs> so that's cool. And then he has this kind of like funkier beat as the third part and I don't know. I think the the opening lines of that I think is super relevant specifically to minorities just cuz what he says cuz he said um uh Oh, yeah. The lines up. My boss walks by. He's looking just like an asshole. Smiling because he jerks niggas for minimum cash flow. He's cool to my face, but I swear I heard them laugh, though. Tickled by the fact that I'm the modern day Sambo. And I was like, the feeling of black people everywhere in the workplace.
1: Mm -hmm, 100%.
0: Like, (laughs) oh, he's nice and all when we're around, but Mm -hmm.
1: he's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) my slaves. (laughs) Is, what's, what was the name of this track? Isn't it, is this live from the plantation? It's, li- it's yeah, live yeah. from yeah. You know, it's, it's
0: called Live from the Plantation, mm-hmm. which I forgot to say at the beginning. But yeah, it's called Live from the Plantation, and yeah, I mean that's what I used to you know certain workplaces I didn't like. I called them modern day cotton plantations. That's an extreme euphemism, but I'm like, dude, they're slaving us out here, man. Like, it's real.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> real. If it's not just if it's not just indentured servitude candy coated, then I don't know what it is, <laughs> right? And then uh,
0: this verse uh, towards the end, he's like getting sick of everything. He calls his friend and they're just both like,
1: we don't need this. And he, he says he he leaves and he punches the clock off the wall because he because because uh, he knew if he uh, escalated to a physical altercation with a person, he would have wound up in jail. And he was like, that ain't worth it. So he punches the clock. And I thought that was like, <laughs> like like perfectly written, you know, but. Oh, that makes me
0: think of Joker when he punches the time clock when he got fired
1: from the clown job. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. The, <laughs> It's the same joke in the line, you know, it's, no. it's punching the clock. No, no, but I think but, it was funny
0: when he did it because he just repeatedly punched mm. it until it just fell
1: <laughs> off. Surprised That's, he had the strength to do it, old man
0: Jonker. <laughs> that movie is funny for reasons it shouldn't be funny for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, live from the plantation, he leaves there. Um... Oh, the next one is New Man Theme. And this is actually a story. It's kind of a story about his experience with dropping out of college and pursuing music, Mm -hmm. much to his parents' dismay. And he's just like, look, I'm I'm grown. I can do what I want. I'm going to do this. I could be successful at this. You know, definitely...
1: Oh, I guess it's that classic thing where, you know, your parents want the quote, unquote best for you. Mm-hmm. But and you're stepping out from under their shadow and trying to trying to be the, the best version of you, at least the best of your interpretation. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. Stepping, you're stepping out of the home and creating something for yourself or going out there on your own, a new man. Yeah. Yeah. And this one's
0: got kind of like a funkier beat. It's kind of like steady tempo. And you just, you know, laying it down just from his experience. Yeah, and that that one just it kind of ties into the overall narrative. It's not as hard-lined into like a specific narrative like the first few tracks. Like the first few tracks kind of like is its own movement. This kind of breaks it up, and then from there we go to oh we go to the skit handouts. <laughs> so it's Lyft, like a, almost like a fictionalized version of him calls up his buddy inside. He's like, "Yo, I need a beat." He's like, "All right, make the check out to this." He's like, "That's the problem. I don't have any. I don't have any cash." He's like. I gotta get paid. He's like, I got twenty dollars.
1: He says, he says, I gotta eat. And he's like, I can slide you a sandwich. I can slide you a sandwich. I can make you a sandwich. It's like, I can slide
0: you a twenty or something. But
1: and that's like that's. <laughs> that's that's the struggle a lot of people have you know like they they need to reach out to a friend for a little help to like get started and it's like you got to understand like they can't just do this stuff for free it's it's like when everybody it dms you in there in your inbox yo collab this yo sponsor it's, me that. it's literally
0: it's, all rappers and bands mm-hmm. i could pay you an exposure it's like i could i could buy you mcdonald's
1: <laughs> I, I do appreciate though that his friend you know at least you know works with him you know and then in the, in the, in the, I, in the I like how he
0: ends it all because he's like you get what you pay for, man. Mm-hmm. You get what you pay for. And then he's like, he's like, I'm willing to work with
1: you, but like I can't.
0: And the best part is this song that comes out of it is uh <laughs> is really funny. It's called um Status. And it's kind of the story of um this dude who's, you know, trying to think like he's all that, just doing the, sneaking into the club, trying mm-hmm. to dress fly, you know, doesn't have money, so he sneaks into the club, ends up getting thrown <laughs> out, and then um insight actually comes on like <laughs> he, he starts with the verse i remember when you like a uh, used to look like a joke or something like that i can't remember the line exactly but yeah it's just a story of funny story of like this anecdote of like hey i'm trying to be cool and he said that's what it was like being younger in his 20s like i'm on my own i'm my own person gotta go you know i hate going to the club but i'm gonna meet girls mm-hmm. and the best part is the beat sounds awful like, the beat sounds cheap, and I, I'm pretty sure when you listen to it, it sounds out of phase. Like, it doesn't sound like a finished song. It literally sounds like a demo. And I think that was, like, the charm of it is, like, they, made, it's like, oh, you know, let's, let's let's really play up the story and make a really bad-sounding beat. Like, you, drums are, you can barely hear the drums. They made a $20 beat. <laughs> they he's
1: made a it $20 he's beat. I can slide you $20, and that's what happened. <laughs>
0: Oh, lo and behold, you got people selling twenty dollars beats now. Mm-hmm. Actually, people are selling their beats for ten dollars and making money off of them. <laughs> Just beat leases. Everybody's buying the same beat for ten dollars. Honestly, <laughs> and then uh, it's funny because uh, they're, they, I think it's like when they get done or something like that. He's like, he's like, yeah, I gotta be honest. Sounds kind of cheap. He's like, what? Try to go back to the studio. The studio costs money. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, how much you got? He's like, I got forty cents. Like forty cents. We need a dollar to get home. He's <laughs> like, at the He's like. Got a dollar. (laughs) It's like, man, if I I have, you know, if I haven't come across so many people like that in my
1: life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hey, hook me up. Well, okay, well, my rates are the no, 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 no. no. I was thinking you could do this pro bono. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it doesn't sound good enough.
0: You want to go back? Uh, You got money? Nothing. man.
1: (laughs) Like, that's why that's I say, like, as much as you want to get out from under it and get into working on what you want to work on, like, you still have to find a way you have to fuel that, you know, it just can't just come out of nowhere. Yeah, it's
0: like we said in our episode, support your create <laughs> content creator friends, <laughs> support your artist friends. Don't expect handouts because, you know, it's not we can't afford it. <laughs> we have a skill that took time and money to develop. Uh, and then from there we go to the song success. Now this is a great point because this is another very relatable point. It starts out with a guy, you know, just talk about, he's just doing the normal thing. You know, he ends up, you know, getting a girlfriend they there for a while. They end up getting married. They have a son. And then he gets caught up in the work cycle of, I need to constantly make more to keep them happy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's the song that, uh, you know, basically this, you know, this verse is going through. He's like, OK, he's just doing all this work and work and work.
1: And he's neglecting his family.
0: Yeah, he is kind of neglecting his family. I mean. You know, it's I, th- I think that's in the second verse, though, because he starts working and in the second verse. He's kind of like he goes through. He's making all his money, except it's like, you know, he's seeing his family less and less. He's like, you know, got a decent job working overtime and then his your relationship starts to deteriorate and then they peace out. They're like, no, we're not dealing with this. So he's Mm kind of like pushed out of the family. And then, you know, the last of it is you get this kind of, uh, you get this last verse, which was him. He basically has a mental breakdown, you know, pretty much he's got medication. He's on medication now. And, you know, he, he, he meets someone else, you know, they end up getting married and, you know, he's just off to start a new life with him, you know, start a new family. And it's just this whole narrative of like, you know, be careful. You don't need to worry about the money all the time.
1: Yeah, he definitely tries to take a different approach to the to the home life in the in that uh second half of the song from the narrative point.
0: Yeah, and uh it's also got a great chorus that kind of goes along with it, which is actually said by Aesop Rock. <laughs> he makes an appearance just on the chorus, which is kind of funny because it's like, huh because that's how they operate it sometimes it's like they'll have somebody on like backing vocals or a chorus and um
1: it's almost like they just pop up to say hey
0: (laughs) yeah it is and uh but yeah no, he has this uh oh yeah but yeah they have a son um they name him john and then (laughs) there's a great line he says um I talking about the line. You write the name down and it said some, the government can trace you or something like that. I forgot what the line is exactly. Actually, I have it pull up right here. I could probably find it real quick. But just just him describing it is just a really interesting day. Yeah, it said "Uh, 24 hours of labor. Then the earth asked me his title for the paper. You know, so the government can chase you. Is it first name John, last name insignificant? And I was like. That works because it's like the last name doesn't matter. But also, it's like, that's kind of like last name. You're insignificant just just right off the bat when you're born. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, no, the, the chorus is really cool because it kind of like details this. It kind of sums it up perfectly. It says, Daddy had a name tag that said busy working. Mommy had a milk carton that said missing person. John had a new baseball glove with nobody to learn with. That's oil and water trying to mix on the same surface. And then for the last time, the chorus goes... Uh, the course has said the the last line is the oil left the water and the water kept searching. And it's like, wow, that's kind of like, you know, dad's out of the picture. It's kind of unfortunate. And that's that's very real for a lot of people nowadays, even more so. It seems to be constantly growing in that in that category.
1: Mm-hmm. People are incapable of sticking together or, or at least making the proper decisions in the first place. And it's worse. And it's unfortunate because it goes both ways.
0: It's like you have the one where there's the deadbeat dad. Who doesn't want to be around, but then there's the dad who doesn't want to be around, but the mom sucks and she's like, No, nah, I just want your money. Mm-hmm. So I'm fortunate enough to have two loving parents who love each other. <laughs> and then um, and then it gets sad that we get to the skit daddy dearest. John calls his dad, picks up, and he's trying to tell him about his little league game, and he's doing the typical dad out of the picture thing, like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, sure. Getting distracted mm-hmm. by what's around him, and then it's a short conversation. He's like all right, man, I, I got to go. Dinner's on. I'll talk to you later. And it just basically ignored everything he said. And that's just like, like soul crushing. Cause it's just a skit, but it, it shouldn't make you feel that much,
1: but it definitely does. It hits you right in the home. Anybody who's from like any type of a uh, separated household is going to hear that. And just, I, I honestly probably just kind of have to pause it right there. You know, <laughs> just recollect take a minute. Yourself. Like this is <laughs> real. <laughs> and then resume.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then we, um, and that just has kind of like a I think it's just a guitar sound or something like that. Because there is music under it just during this phone call. It's like I was paying not even too significant. much attention to the conversation. Yeah, it's, just, it's like there's just something faintly in the background. It's kind of weird. It's like some guitar tone. But then we go to the song The Now, which is, you know, the first the first one, first verse, is about it's about John and how, you know, dad's got a new family. He's doing his own thing. John's kind of stuck here, like sees him every once in a while. Obviously doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like he's just out of the picture. He's just kind of like having to deal with that. It's like, you know, especially it's like it's kind of the perspective. It's like he's the man of the
1: house now, too. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like uh, the father took the wrong lesson from the pa- from from the past family, you know, and he's trying to dive so much into his current one that he he neglects the fact that he is still tied to his past family. Yeah. And then, yeah,
0: that pretty much sums it up. There's really nothing more to say that. It's literally just the perspective of, like, Mm -hmm. kid dealing without his dad, you know, when he probably needed him. And then the second verse is, you know, talking about his daughter in this new family. And they almost kind of, like, they take the right intention with the lessons he learned from the first family but it's they really just
1: do much sh- of the right thing.
0: Yeah, it's strict household. She's forced to, you know, do school, she goes to piano lessons, comes home, does homework, you know, they don't let boys around her.
1: Just putting all this pressure on her, you know. He wanted <clears> to have <throat> the perfect family unlike his uh his last situation, so he put all of his energy into it and it ended up not not coming out the way it well,
0: should. Well, yeah, well I mean it starts off like, you know, it shows that she pretty much any substance <coughs> any illicit substance she consumes, she does. Mhm. You know, just because she needs to take the edge off. And then, um, you know, yeah, it says one time uh, <laughs> she she it says she turned in and stayed up late, writes a note. Mom walks in, reads and says, um, here's the future of your fucking perfect child. Please be proud. I'm living for the now daughter committed suicide. Couldn't handle the pressure. You know, nothing was good enough. So it <laughs> takes her own life. And it's just, wow,
1: you gone from one family, start a new one. And then this happens. Yep. You, you, you put so much pressure on your, on your family that one of them ends up, you know, just saying, you know, this is enough. It's, I think it's something most people can relate to when, when, when you're talking about the pressure they receive from their parents to live up to this perfect ideal that they have for them. Yeah, it's definitely, you have to be careful
0: because I mean, they're your kids but at the same time they're just developing humans mm-hmm. you know they they only operate at a certain capacity with understanding you can't force feed too much otherwise you know
1: it's like pressure build up in like a contained space eventually it'll explode mm-hmm. it's 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 support not pressure it's guidance not uh strict regiments you know it's it's about allowing them the freedom to develop healthily without Without the the excess freedom that leads them down the wrong roads, it's like it, it, influence versus enforcement. Mm.
0: You know, you're not a warden. This isn't a prison. Mm. Don't act like one.
1: You're and not. It, you're not crafting something. You're 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 aiding in the development of a of a of a human being. You yeah. Know? Don't don't get caught up in your own insecurities and reflect that on. You're not trying to have the perfect kid. You're trying to raise a human.
0: Yeah. I think my phone died. Yes, my phone did die. So I guess I'm just going to eyeball it for the rest of the time.
1: <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah.
0: But yeah, anyways, moving on <laughs> from there, we go to the song uh, Friends and Neighbors. And this is a song that takes a break from the narratives that have been presented because it's, it's, it's kind of this vignette approach with the multi song kind of arcs. And this one is just detailing a multitude of people just dealing with the struggles. You know, it's literally friends and neighbors, just lines upon lines about, like, you know, just different people describing their situations. And it kind of puts it in perspective. It it, it takes you out of the singular narrative and puts in the, oh, this applies to almost a mass population. It's not just it's a case
1: point of how multiple people can can relate to the, the story that's going on. Yeah. It's a it's almost like a jumping on point or like it's it's a it's a sampling that shows you that. It, it it afflicts more than just one type of person.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it shows multiple people. Everybody's got some sort of struggle. Mm-hmm. Every walk of life. Yeah, and that, and that one's kind of like a, you know, I like the beat on that, too. It's just kind of like this steady beat. A lot of them have just like really, really good beats on here. The production was really flawless on this, I'd say. I mean, it really, I don't know, especially with multiple people working on different tracks. It's like, you know, they they effortlessly put together this narrative that was almost perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, and just you know, this story that's culminating in this one theme
1: it makes and, you wonder if uh, if somebody uh, created a um, what's it called the like a storyboard prior to writing it. It was like, all right, this I mean, is he, what we're he said. He with. put together
0: a track list. Like he had different versions of it. He said he he needed to put together the track list before. I think Guru from the Rap Group Gangstar, uh, the group he was in, uh the group DJ Premier, super producer in hip hop. Him and his former partner Guru, who passed a few years back he would write a song title he would find a beat that fit the song title and then he would write the song <laughs> i was like that's a really interesting way to work yep. it's like take this like i need this small foundation first then i can apply it
1: it's it, that's actually that's a it's a very uh understandable approach you know it's like when you when you start creating something when you start writing something when you start performing something or like anything that you're really like getting into it's a lot easier to build off of something that's already there so like when you're trying to write a a story or you're trying to write a, a song you know just sitting there staring at a blank piece of paper is not doing you any good even if you write something absolutely terrible that you end up taking out later you know you wrote something that you build off of it's that it's that first little piece that you need that first step
0: yeah yeah I'd say that makes sense
1: at least that's how I view everything that I approach <laughs> I'm like I, c- I could have any amount of anxiety and like I'll, all it takes is that one little piece that first that first little dipping my toe in and then it's a lot easier to go from there it's
0: like jumping to a pool
1: yeah so you don't you don't you don't like dive just in first just so you can mm. evade the cold no you just, you you just put dip. the toe in and you're like all right this is kind of gonna suck but that's all you needed now you're like and then you cannonball my toes wet I have to go in <laughs>
0: Yep. And then the next song is Iron Helix, which I'm pretty sure this beat was used in a Nike commercial or something like that. Because I remember when I first heard it, the song in the actual song, I was like, why does this sound familiar? And I was like, wait a second, this was a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Iron Helix, it's the story. Um, Rapper Insight kind of plays the protagonist in this and Mr. Lift kind of plays his voice in his head. And it's a guy about a guy who's just like he's living the simple life in the beginning. He's got to like homestead, live off the land. I don't know, kind of like a country-ish type of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then the song slow like the, begins to progress. Okay, he's acclimated himself. He's he's transitioning to civilization. You know, he's becoming the typical, you know, ensued with consumer culture and capitalism. And then it just calmnesses things where he gets this point of power, and it's literally this whole thing. It and it's a great back-and-forth duo song, too, because they're like trading verses and lines. But yeah, it just gets to this point. He's realizing this potentially has. And then he's just like, oh, hey, how about like there's a line? (laughs) It gets to the point where he gets in a position of power to where he can control Like he's a proponent of nuclear war. Like he has a line, uh, drop a bomb on Nagasaki just because it's in sight. And I'm like, whoa, like that escalated really fast. (laughs) But then it makes you think like we kind of did it that way.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, we were like, hey, stop. They didn't. So we're like, let's flex the ultimate muscle and just annihilate them.
1: It it, it it paints this picture of how somebody who can come from such simple means such pure means can develop into almost like an unfeeling monster that's just like whatever has to be done do it you know and doesn't really value anything beyond like the end goal at least that's the way I saw it when it was yeah, it, it is kind of a bomb
0: yeah it, it is
1: like that you know it's that <sighs>
0: It's this weird escalation. It's like you get that taste of power and that's all you want. And then you get power. And then it's
1: like, at what cost does this power come from? And how, how easily can you throw it around? That was a, a shocking bit of it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely kind of definitely makes you. It almost puts into perspective. You kind of think like what goes through the minds of these people who are in these positions who mm. who actually want to push it that far? See, there's a. I, I like how it ends because it kind of has this. It kind of makes you think this is the attitude some people have. Let's
1: see where is
0: it? Yeah, there's um. Oh yeah, because because the last part is uh because he's basically talking about uh. Oh, yeah, because before before this last little section, it's a uh, hold on. Where is it? Yeah, there's this whole thing uh, that he's explaining.
1: I'm curious. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, you're, you're lost in I'm thought here. To, like, I'm wondering where I'm this trying is to go. find
0: it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's this whole thing uh, where it's. Uh extol the master spinning planets around my aura like an orbit set a mountain on a shore twist my fingers and force mist into a tornado raw fatal i make rain flow draining clouds into a rainbow i master math infuse bionics with biology police carry shotguns inside a robotic knee the impact of my psychology can atomically wipe out and decimate as or devastate as soon as i meditate and it's just kind of like this dude thinks he's a god now at this point
1: um I'm not 100% sure on this, but the police carry shotguns inside a robotic knee. I didn't look into it when I was reading through the lyrics. Is that a reference to RoboCop? It could be. Probably is. Like, <laughs> I in, hope in, it is now. Because <laughs> I, I love mean, RoboCop, Cop, he pulls that gun out of his hip, you know, and I'm like, yeah, huh? That? I hmm. that's, a, that's a question I got to have answered now.
0: Yeah. and then um, And then the voice... In his head, Mr. Lift, he says, So why don't you demonstrate? And Insight goes, I think that I might drop a bomb on Nagasaki just because it's in sight. And that's like, Okay, now you're dipping your toes in this destruction. And then where does it go? And then Mr. Lift says, You have arrived. Insight, leave the world and then back and forth, brutalize, sacrifice human lives, take flight to fight, attack tribes. This will be the legacy of you and I. Who's you? Just I. All opposition must die. And that just—that sounds like every like killer robot in
1: any movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're opposing me, dead. That's that's why I'm thinking. Like <laughs> when he was writing the last end of this, like he just watched RoboCop or something. <laughs> that's 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 it's, it's kind of a I don't know. It's interesting. Something I'm gonna have to look into and make sure. But it just it just kind of makes me want to watch RoboCop now, even if it's not like confirmed. That's my head cannon now. Is <laughs> I that- have RoboCop. <laughs> it's downstairs.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um then we go to Earth Crusher, and this song is just nuclear war is happening and it's the end of the world. It's just describing, hey, this is what's going
1: on. <laughs> this is this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the one where it's told from like several different point of, points of view. No, that's that's the next song. Okay. Yep. That's after
0: Earth, Earth Crusher, it's it's going on and it's just like, oh, this is what's happening. You know, you know, there's bombs everywhere, explosions, and um intercut in between the verses is a news anchor, kinda like giving the play by play Mm -hmm. and by the end of it he's just like freaking out like he's just like well i guess we're we're all dead (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it escalated to the point of nuclear war and then we get to the last song post mortem and this is a um this is actually a posse cut it has mr lift lp rapper gene gray and i think the dude's name's acrobatic if i remember correctly if that's the rapper that's on it and it's this um it's the last moments in each of these characters lives they're all describing things like you know Mr. Liffy's he's like he, he's like seeing he's explaining what he's seeing I think LP's verse is more so kind of like reminiscing on things he's describing mm-hmm. like what's happening to places that he remembers like oh this is the place I did this it's gone mm-hmm. uh, Jean Grey's verse is just morbid she's like she starts off like oh
1: <laughs> yep she this just, is this is the one that definitely caught my attention the first time too. <laughs> I started hearing I started hearing these lyrics and I was like, wait a minute, huh? And then I was like, oh,
0: you really said this? <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, this person's like that starts denouncing God, drink, you know, swallowing a bottle of pills, drinking with a fifth of one fifty-one, mm. going out, causing hell. This
1: this person, <laughs> it's 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 a it's, it's like a quick little short story about this person who like saw the end and was just like, fuck it, the ends five minutes away. All hell's breaking loose. I'm throwing all caution to the wind. Right,
0: wishing that they would have just done worse stuff in their mm-hmm. entire lifetime to make it worth it. Laying out in the street, just watching the ma'am happen. And I think, I
1: think it ends with her just like shooting herself. It's yeah, it's it's wild that some people think like that. You know, as soon as the as soon as their end is put in front of them, they're like. Well, the end's right there. I have nothing to constrain anymore. And so they unleash who they really are. And it's just madness. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, the, it, that switch is flipped and you're yeah. like, all right, I guess I'm going to be the person I really, really am. <laughs> the whole
1: world's ending. No consequences. A completely unfiltered you as just drug abuse and violence. I'm like, whoa. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, the,
0: well, is it, I think acrobatics versus just kind of along the lines of like, just seeing the destruction not being able to believe that he's being able to witness this because he's one of, you know, obviously one of the last people left. He's like, he's still seeing this destruction and he's living long enough to, before his end to just see this mayhem. Mm. And then I think Mr. Lift's last section is just him kind of like, he doesn't get to go home to his loved ones. He's like mm. on his way, but he knows he's not going to make it. And then it's just like, and it it, it, it's like, just like a short end. And I think it's like the last word he says is kind of like echoed out.
1: Um, I think my one one specific lyric in this that I queued in on and uh, I appreciated a lot, not for like any any deeper meaning, just I I liked the line itself is um was that nobody's got to miss me because we're all going to hell together something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can't remember the line exactly, but yeah, that's a. <laughs> mm. uh, it's definitely interesting. It's you know, it's 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 a great narrative overall because it's like okay, this these struggles of people these things can escalate to catastrophic events Mm -hmm. unless we keep it contained. I also like that. It's, you know, it's not entirely linear, but the way it flows, you would almost think it's one exact story. Mm -hmm.
1: I definitely appreciate throughout the entire album. Like it's, 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 it's not about the narrative. It's just like a general theme is that, uh, is, is escalation at, at its, at its, purest form you know like even even so far as like all the way in the beginning it's it's escalating to buying a gun and and then it's like and then it's your death yeah a bad situation gets escalated to you like at dire straits and you do something that ends your life you know with the family it's like uh he he starts the whole you know working harder and harder to 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 provide for and uh loses the family. family and that escalates into a loss of family and then he tries to do it better and that just escalates and it ends, into it the, ends worse <laughs> it's like ev- every, every, every piece of narrative in this entire album is like this it's almost like watching a stock graph you know like it's it's just this sharp incline and then just a dead drop uh, that's, yeah. that's like the vibe I got
0: and then, and then the last it's almost like the third act it's it literally is just the end of oh, everything yeah. and you know he hasn't made an album like it since I've only listened to like I think I listened to like one of his albums. He had an album after that was, it was, it was a claim, but it wasn't as well received. Uh, he had another one like, so, cause there's, there's a bunch of gaps in the middle of these albums, but um, I haven't listened to those past few, but he, he still releases music. It's just not, you know, definitive jokes uh, ended in 2010, I think. So like all the artists just went their separate ways. Some of them are on smaller labels. Some of them are doing, bigger things like ASI rock instantly. Like he, he, d- he did pretty much a lateral move and went to rhyme series entertainment, which was just as equally, if not more successful indie label. Mm-hmm. And he's doing his thing. I mean, he's doing all sorts of things, you know, he, 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 he's done. Well, he's done stuff for like, he did, a uh, he's, he, he's worked with Nike. He does like video game stuff now, you know, I mean, Mr. Lif is still doing music. Uh, he actually, uh, he was on a episode of super duty tough work, on an interview where Blueprint was doing a real estate episode because he he does this thing where he has this kind of uh, I don't know if it's some lending company he started It's some sort of company that helps people get homes like it, it's some sort of like equity firm or something like that. I'm interested. It's something. independent It's like he's trying to do. It's doing it to like help people. But I I don't remember all of it. It's like I don't. Know, I'll, have to, I'll have to send you the link for the episode because it's actually a really good, really good episode. But yeah, it's like you know he. Uh, I think he started out getting a house for his like parents or something like that, and then it was like, dad left or something, so he wanted to like get a house for his mom to stay in, and then I think he just that's how he started trying to get into rental properties and stuff like that, but. Yeah, yeah. I think he, when he dropped this album, though, I think he was like 25 or 26. So again, like a little bit younger than us, but still in our age bracket, kind of. But like the fact that he came up with such a distinct narrative at that age is just impressive. It's incredibly noteworthy. Yeah. Well, on that note, it's about time for that other water break. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a really long episode. I'm going to stretch my legs because my fucking butt's hurting. <laughs> actually, actually, if I time it correctly, it shouldn't be too much longer than like the usual longer episodes because we want to we wanna give you more content this season. So yeah, grab that water. And we're back for the final section, the <laughs> yeah. episode working class act, where we yep. discuss two classic albums that are super relevant, which I kind of wish they weren't, but then we wouldn't have this episode.
1: I was going to say something there, but my brain gave up on me and I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> like Almost like when you uh, forgot your name. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was just like the and then my brain just went blank. and I was like, how? <laughs> how do I do this <laughs> on a regular basis? I just I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I forget who I am. It's incredibly early onset uh, Alzheimer's, <laughs> super super early
0: pre-Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, those are those are the albums. Uh, definitely highly recommend. Yo, know, um, I'd say Labor Days has more. That has songs you could like listen to separately. I Phantom, I'd never listen to it other than the full album. Mm-hmm. I can't I'm just too, I'm maybe I'm just too attached to the story but like listening from beginning to end is like it's like watching a movie I'm not gonna like stop a movie I'm like oh I'll watch this in a couple days and finish it's, it
1: it's like if you were watching a uh, it's like if you were watching uh, any any filming you just kind of like plucked 20 minutes out of the center of it you know and just yeah. watched that just that's, out of that's context that's, that's why you can't watch or you, you can't listen to I Phantom uh, track by track you have to listen to the whole narrative and you have to listen to it in order
0: and it's under 50 minutes so it's it's not a terribly long album that's the good thing it's like you know it's it's not a long album at all it's it's very densely packed and it's like the it's it's like a it's like a well-balanced meal (laughs) yeah it's just you know it's crazy to listen to these now because they're they're almost 20 years old and it's like they're almost more relevant now than they were back then especially with what's going on right now i mean like where the economy is and everything because it's like you know i mean this really isn't Oh, our situation the situation is not really being handled properly Mm-mm. at all by like any form of government it's just sort of this patchwork that's coming together it's like yo had we had a a real plan at the beginning we probably wouldn't be in the situation yeah we wouldn't we wouldn't still be on lockdown but. and it's and it's just like and it's just a staggering thing it's like you know why didn't we just shut down completely to begin with why are we why, we're dragging it out and people still aren't kind of did, listening to it? Why
1: did we almost like phase into it? Like, all right, first we'll shut this down, then we'll shut that down, then we'll shut this down. Well, As it well it's like my dad worse. was,
0: it's like, you know, it's because I remember my dad was saying it's like, you know, he can't buy paint right now. Because they're like, you know, they're putting all these restrictions at places and it's like, okay, why don't we just shut everything down? I mean, we're we're staggering it out and businesses are kind of like getting a harder hits, the less they can do. It's like we already hit we're remandering how we got to, you know, they're counting heads at stars. I went to Home Depot and they're they're actually counting heads. They have someone with a counter out there that are like checking you in.
1: And checking people out. Yep. To, wow, that's that's yeah. And now, and now they're shutting down departments. I didn't know it was that serious. I mean, I knew it was that serious, obviously, but I don't I mean, I didn't know that at the local level they were taking it that serious. Yeah, which, well, apparently, um, which is a good thing, though.
0: Oh, yeah. But I, apparently it's like you really um, it's like, you know, there's no telling how they can enforce it. But it's like you, you can't really go to other people's places now. You can't go to another residence now. Mm. Otherwise, they can find you.
1: And that is not a not a cheap fine. It's. it's and you it's know, the worst time to, to be risking any type of fine. That's why I'm just like, I'm not really trying right, to do you, you don't
0: want to blow the stimulus check on a ticket that, because mm-hmm. you just wanted to try to go to your friend's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's also it's um I think the biggest theme that is also very relevant is just the topics they address of mental health. Because you get this kind of. Sense of it's such a universal thing. It's like, you know, people dealing with the depression, dealing with anxiety, dealing with like the pressures of society. And, you know, you could either figure out a way out, you either can come out of it good, you either just kind of like coast and keep it under control, or you could just snap. Definitely. It's like the daughter in the now, she just committed suicide. She's like, no, this isn't worth it. Pressure nope. is too much.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it definitely uh, brings it, brings the lens on, uh, and how people respond to everything that's around them and the options available. You know, it, it, it it shows you what it, I don't want to say that shows exactly what it takes for you to, to put yourself in a situation that's better for your mental health, but it definitely gives you like a a tiny little taste of like a a little, a little guiding light, you know, like the, the narrative about the girl who, um, just pursued her craft throughout her whole life. Oh yeah. Lucy, no regrets. And just didn't concern. herself. It's it's almost the perfect
0: contrast is like Mm -hmm. this person, like I did what I wanted my entire life.
1: I'm at the end. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Happy laughing about it. Like I did it versus stressing yourself over uh, everyone else and their opinions of you. That stuff is uh that's suicide fuel. I was worrying about other people.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, th- I think that's one of the pluses I think is it, they're going to come out of this it's like people having to deal with themselves it's like you i think you said like you like yourself more than you thought and yeah. it was really other people that was really causing the problem that
1: was yeah that was definitely one thing i picked up uh being being isolated like this is like uh, a lot of my my issues, like I thought, oh man, I just didn't like where I was at or who I was as a person. Turns out, I, I genuinely fucking love who I am as a person. I'm a great, I'm You're a like, great I'm individual. i amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking hate all these other people. Also, also the you know just
0: I think the lifestyle changes in like that you made in like what the past six months. Mm-hmm. Just. You know, it's like you had to separate yourself from the toxic environment you were in. You got no better environment. We started the podcast. Now we're now you got all this time to, like, really figure out how to improve things. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we can't even tell people about yet.
1: I'm not I, I almost want to feel like I listened to uh, Labor Days before, like, last week when I started when I listened to Labor Days. Like, because I don't know, I feel like uh, a lot of the a lot of the. uh I don't want to treat it like it's a twelve step a twelve step program, but like a lot of the steps, like outlined a little bit in in that album, were just kind of like steps that I've been you taking. Were, recently. You were ready
0: to listen to that you know? album. Well, I think it's like before that, it's like you'd only really listen to like The Impossible Kid in like singles.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it kind of it kind of fits because I am a singles person. I generally don't listen to whole albums, but this was this was a whole album where I felt like there was there was something in every uh, in every track. Oh yeah, you know, I, I mean, almost feel like it's an album of singles
0: yeah well that's a lot of his albums like he has a lot of so it's like he has a lot of all his stuff it's like they have their songs that work great individually but mm-hmm. as a work it's even better like honestly it's like you know it's that thing it's like i always found like i'd listen to a single i'd listen to the album and i'd find songs that were better than the single and i'm like why wasn't this the single and i was like oh wait it wouldn't be popular mm-hmm. you know it also goes to show like the importance of art in almost archiving history yeah. if you really think about it like this is like you know it's a snapshot it's not like just text in a history book it's like this is like a snapshot
1: of of a of the, specific period of time mm-hmm. of what this person was going through and the things they see in the world depending on i mean you pull you pull any uh piece of art from any any era and it's it's really just a uh a captured picture a snapshot of of the culture of that era you know you'll you can i mean at, on its surface it's just like a painting or a song or or a film, or whatever, but deeper into it, you can you can see how they were affected by their surroundings when they were creating it.
0: Yeah, well, there's a couple other albums, actually, that were released by the same label. <laughs> well, the, it almost is like these kind of book in each other, and there was another two albums that book in each other. It's the album "Cold," Ve- The Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox, which I think was the first full-length album on Defender Jugs, and LP's first So, album, Fantastic Damage. Those kind of operated in a different framework because I mean the sound was very different because LP produced the entirety of both of them and they both have this kind of like even the imagery and the lyrics kind of have this like dystopian sci-fi element like LP's more so his is very he's, he has very sci-fi influenced lyrics he's a, like he's a big Philip K Dick fan he's read like a bunch of his books and there's just a bunch of imagery there but the cold vein the sound of the beats are really spacey and it's almost like I mean they're kind of like you know these are like the rappers who are detailing like you know life in the hood but the way they present it is they they keep up with these guys and the more poetic aspects and it's just like you know but it has this like backdrop that is really cinematic and almost like sci-fi and spacey and dystopian that you just kind of like you know both of them capture this sense of the this world that they're in in new york at the time like cold vane i think was 2000 yeah, I think it was 2000. Fantastic Damage was 2001, and that album is actually... He actually describes it as like, you know, it's his view in post-9-11 world. It's like, it just captures this whole thing. It's just like the sounds that go along with it. It kind of makes you think it's like, you know, are we kind of at the end? Like, what could happen after this? I mean... I mean, it's not, it's not as like... It's not as heavy handed in that narrative as mm-hmm. I fan was where it was like, oh, we're literally entering the story with the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it kind of has this thing. It's like, how do we deal? We had this tragedy. We haven't seen something like this in years. So this happens. It's like and especially, it's like he's from New York. So it's like it happened in New York. It's like it's kind of like this is how what it's like dealing with this in society now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, it's just like the just the whole camp, especially the early albums, this whole camp has a lot of these albums, it's just like all this music. It's, it's different because it's not following commercial trends and it's not the typical like hood tales of hip hop artists. It's all these people that come from different backgrounds that are detailing like, hey, this is we're not all just struggling in the hood. Some of us have mental health issues. Some of us are dealing with being working class. Some of us might even have like, you know, good jobs and we just hate the corporate
1: structure. Mm hmm. It definitely weeds a, a, a tapestry of the 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 variables that create these artists, and it's it. I agree, it is you know against the norm. It's not it's not the generic story that everyone pushes into the limelight that just reaches commercial success. It's a more important story, is what I would say. Yeah, like both of these
0: albums that we just discussed, they just they operate in such a space where it's like it's also it's more relatable because it's so general. Mm. You know, hip hop is often misunderstood because you can't really relate to a lot of it, especially in certain certain eras. But this is like, you know, I think that's why a lot of, you know, that's why a lot of like white people gravitated to these artists, because it was something that they could relate to. Because it was a rap group atmosphere got confused, like Slug was saying there was a show he went to one time and he literally was like where's all the black people because <laughs> it's like they're hip it was a hip-hop group right you think mm-hmm. black people will come to hip-hop show and you see a bunch of these like white kids who are all in a punk and all in progressive rock but it's like you know it's like you don't think it's like they're not coming at it as like oh this is hip-hop it's like this is rap i can relate to finally mm. you know and this is this is, you, know, they, they, you know these guys come up with working class rap
1: yeah it's not just the same tired out uh narrative about you know being the oppressed minority it's more it's more approachable for everybody and the it's it's like the 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 generalist approach is like a tactic that uh i feel pays out really well you know not not speaking financially but i mean as far as like reaching a a wider audience yeah
0: It it definitely it definitely helped further things and i think it was a good precursor to what is happening independently now because they were doing independent when it was not easy to be independent it was a lot of work you know because there were only so many independent distributors that would take just artist-run labels you know and there's there was a bunch like around that time there were so many rap labels that came out of or hip-hop labels that came out of the late 90s, early 2000s, like, you know, besides Definitive Jux, I mean, LP came from Rockus Records, but apparently that was some subsidiary of that what Fox was involved with. So a lot of people questioned the credibility of them as independent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had them, it's like, and, and it was all from different areas. Like, you know, you had Definitive Jux on the East Coast, Rhyme Sayers, it's from Minnesota. Like, Minnesota had a hip hop scene, mm-hmm. and that's just bizarre to think. And, and they had their, especially in the early days, they had their own sound. You know, I mean, in Ohio, Blueprint started waitlist recordings. It's like Ohio had its own scene. And it's like, that's weird. Midwest hip hop was really on the rise. And you had Anaconda Records that formed in California. But some of those artists, like, you know, a few of the artists that were involved in that label were uh, in Ohio working with the Blueprint in camp from waitlist. So it's like and, you know, atmosphere was just a hop and a skip away. So they'd go down there and connect with each other, you know. You know, most of those guys collaborate with Aesop Rock, so it was like there was that connection out there. And yeah, there's just like, you know, I think out in California also there were Stone Star Records, which grew to be and it still is one of the biggest indie labels of all time. Like that's the one where it's like, you know, Jay Dilla was working with them a lot. Doom and Mad Lib collaborated i on Mad Villain, and Mad Lib was a main staple on the label for a while. There's also this label soul sides that DJ shadow was involved with that turned into, they actually reformed as quantum spectrum. And they put out a compilation where they had people like, like LP was on that compilation. So it's just all these, you know, this weird community, just everyone's interconnected. And it was, they were all from different parts of the country, but now, now it's like, you know, what is independent music? It's just a SoundCloud page.
1: Yeah. Don't take much.
0: You, you, you got a laptop, got a microphone. There's free software out there. You don't even need to buy software anymore. You can buy free software with plugins, do stuff for free. Software is cheaper. I mean, you know, I I hate to say it, but a certain amount of gatekeeping is necessary in the art world. Everybody and their mom can't do it. I mean, I don't like saying it like that. It's like I love that we have so much opportunity for so many people, but I don't like that literally everybody could do it because it's not all sounding good.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's more or less like they, they're going to try it and realize that they're no good at it and then like f- fall out of it anyways.
0: Well, yeah, I, I'm just speaking more along. It's like the space to get noticed is getting like, you know, it's like, oh, you're a fish in a pond. No, you're a you're a bacteria. You're an amoeba in the ocean now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't know. It's like it's, it's good because it's like they laid the groundwork and set a standard. Like these albums set a standard for other artists like you know are, are albums these good it's like okay I have to be that or greater otherwise I'm going to not get noticed mm. especially in that space cuz that was that was like the keep it real culture was at an all time high during that time so it's like yo know, you had to come with stuff that would get
1: a response from that crowd I think I think when it comes to the uh, the the I think when it comes to when it comes to it being approachable to everyone and everyone having the opportunity to put it out there and not all of it's great. I'm of the opposite mindset. I think it's it's better to have as much competition as possible. I think it put it, it puts the emphasis on you creating a sound. That is so, so far, miles above and beyond the other people around that you will get noticed in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't people.
0: I don't mind the competition. I just think the problem is it's like there's so much garbage you have to sift through. That's my mm-hmm. only problem. It's just it's making it. I think it's just the fact that it's like, you know, we're also in a space where it's like you have to be creative and how you make your money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. Being independent is good because you don't have to rely on a lot of people, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, I remember when a lot of studios started going out of business when people could record at home, cause it's like, oh, you could learn this at home. Oh, they're making, they're making all this software sound like analog gear now. Oh, Oh, what do I
1: need the studio? You don't
0: need a hundred, you don't need a $500,000 studio. You can spend Mm -hmm. a couple grand and have a nice setup. I mean, yo, I, I started with a four track cassette recorder and a drum Um. machine,
1: (laughs) On the other hand, though, I'm okay with with a little bit of gatekeeping. But as long as it's not as long as it's not like financial gatekeeping, I hate price tags keeping people out of being able to like put forth art. Well, that drives me absolutely insane. Well,
0: that's what I like. It's like the software, like the equipment isn't terribly expensive. Mm -hmm. If you want like really high quality stuff there, there's there's stuff for every price back And that's the that's the thing about it. I'm talking gatekeeping as far as like, you know, I say keeping everyone in check Collectively as a group, not more so like, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't need big corporations gatekeeping. It's more so, hey, let's let's hold each other to a standard or just like make sure we show people they shouldn't be doing this. Hold each
1: other accountable for the garbage that they happen to let out. Yeah, that I'm totally okay with.
0: Yeah, no, because it's like, you know, even like it is so much cheaper to do music nowadays. Like there are people who are like, yeah, early days of digital recording. It's like you had to get like standalone recorder and it's like you could get a zip disk and the zip disk would hold one song multiple tracks you had to keep getting more of them now you just get we got terabyte multiple terabyte hard drives mm-hmm. space is infinite <laughs> you know software it's like able to like the one i use ableton live that's 450 bucks i think or something like that but it replaces an entire recording studio
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they always you know and they even have starter. they have starter versions of these softwares too to dip your toes into it i mean fo studio formerly fruity loops has always been cheap I mean, you know, the software we're recording this on Reaper, that's sixty dollars for personal use. That gives you all you need. You, you can download three free instrument plugins and just go at you know, go at it. You can get a you can get an interface for a hundred bucks, microphone for fifty to hundred bucks. If you're willing to put the work, you'll be rewarded. You know, you just gotta you gotta approach from the working class point of view. You gotta treat it like a nine to five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's your new job.
0: Oh, gotta be willing
1: to sacrifice for it.
0: Rambling aside, because we find a way to ramble every episode, I think we could call it good this time. Yeah. <laughs> this episode, we'll, we'll end it here. So you're not, you know, it's probably a little bit longer than I intended, but it was definitely material that needed to be flushed out a little bit more. Mm. Uh, next episode is called, it's uh, an episode about CBD, but not the kind you're thinking. Uh, it's in, We're going to do an episode profiling the career in music of one of my favorite artists, Count Base D. It's an artist that Greg isn't familiar with, so I get to you know have him react to it
1: because that's always fun. Not exactly sure where I'm <laughs> going to get all my information from, but I'm excited.
0: This is what you, you'll 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 probably have to do a little bit every single day up until then because mm. it's like he's got a vast catalog and there's a couple you know there's a couple podcasts I can show you where he's doing an interview and it's like you can just Google his life. I mean, it's really we'll just we don't have to go too in deep in that one. He's just a great artist. He's been around for 20. It's the 25 year anniversary of his first album, and he's still doing it. He's doing it independently. That's why I want to profile. It's like kind of like a profile of an entrepreneur, but also somebody who's like proving that showing the success story. He's like he's he's approaching his late 40s, and he's still doing it with even more tenacity. Like he's he's figured out he's like, I do this to survive. Nothing more. It's like, it's not like he's like jaded, but it's like, you know, he, he understands his place and he's just, he's hustling. Plus he also, you know, there's, he hints that he unintentionally set himself up for the internet age of hip hop.
1: Interesting.
0: But yeah, other than that, um, you know, definitely gonna still on the chronication. (laughs) Definitely expect some more bonus episodes
1: as always (laughs) for the foreseeable future. (laughs) Apparently. Oh, you
0: know, definitely trying to work on that merch drop. You know, so yeah lots of fun things we got you know this this time has given us a lot of time to think about things and we definitely have a lot we're we we know how we want to grow and how this wants to further develop and you know definitely going to be letting you guys in on all of it because without you guys we'd be nothing you know we hit 500 listens and that was the most exciting thing we might have to start doing specials for when we hit certain benchmarks like the thousandth listen special
1: <laughs> well I mean that's the plan now <laughs> no, I said it, it's got to go <laughs> Oh, but we won't get there without you. Everybody yes, at home. listening, yes, Or everybody at work. We are available
0: everywhere. Kind of, you know, run Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere that matters. We are in everywhere that matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to describe it. Um, uh, yeah. You know, follow us on the social media. If you don't already, you know, just look us up on Facebook as, you know, for not say podcast, if you type in the URL, which most people don't do, it's slash PNTS podcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter, PNTS underscore podcast. We get some interaction with the, with the Instagram. I think guess it, because of how interactive it is, we definitely get some, you know, get some nice feedback on that Twitter. Not so much yet, but that's just something we got to build. But yeah, we're we're definitely got a bunch more things planned for you. We got got a lot of stuff fun. I've I've been throwing out a lot of ideas that we think we're gonna go with that I think you'll like.
1: Oh, I remind I remembered why I don't have a Twitter, because I had a Twitter, but uh, my my Twitter was accessed by somebody in Afghanistan, uh- <laughs> and I got and, 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 yep, and I had a uh, Twitter ban. So like every time I was trying to like sign or like sign up because I didn't know that I didn't or didn't remember that I had an account, you know, every time I try to sign up, it's like, Oh, something bad ha- or something wrong happened, you know, oops, couldn't log you in, you know? And like, yeah, I figured that out and I was like, well, I don't even remember making a Twitter. So, okay, I'll make a new one. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. You know? Oh man. That's unfortunate. <laughs> no, I'm not really worried about it. It's not like anything else was compromised.
0: No, no, but it's just funny. You're just like, Oh, I got uh, hacked mm. by someone in Afghanistan. <laughs> God damn.
1: I need to chill out. Like I, <laughs> It, it was literally like a Twitter that I created just so I could f- use the app to like follow stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> much like the Instagram yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, those are those are platforms I don't really mess with. They just kind of they just kind of exist. They're there for me to like follow other stuff or look at things. They're not
0: but now Jack Dorsey's doing all sorts of good things now you're like, oh, I gotta be involved in Twitter now. This dude's doing right <laughs> <After you. laughs> and to build the presence mm-hmm. i'm I'm building a following slowly on you know my boutique Paul stuff you haven't listened yet i've got two singles out right now you know, same material as the sun and full moonshine you can follow me on all the platforms or social media platforms as well as i think they're all yeah I'm Twitter Twitter 20 instagram i'm uh, btq paul is my handle i don't remember what it is on facebook i don't use that one as much i'm trying to use that one more but the other two are so much easier yeah follow us enjoy us share us with all your friends I mean, we, we're probably it's probably going to be until like people go back to work to listen to us more <laughs> often. But, so no, you're not listening to podcasts too much at home. We got a few avid listeners like John and Josh.
1: Yeah, we know we understand. Jeremy,
0: our friends. I don't listen
1: to any <laughs> unless I'm at work as well.
0: <laughs> well, that's it for the show. So uh, as always, stay hustling and stay hydrated. Peace.